A quick note before we get started. This interview was recorded on Tuesday, noon Eastern time. A lot has changed since then. Just as we wrapped up this episode, the Senate voted unanimously to pass the economic stimulus package that Kathleen and Ashley will talk about throughout this interview. In this fast-changing environment, we expect this to happen. We just want to make sure that you're aware as you listen. All right, on with the show. I want you to feel empowered to take action. Congress is there. They have a lot of priorities that they're considering. And we want to be sure that people living with ALS who already have very challenging lives get what they need. So please become an advocate if you're not already an advocate and ask your friends and neighbors to do so as well. Hi, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I am one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson, coming to you from St. Paul, Minnesota. And I'm joined, as usual, by my colleague in North Carolina, Jeremy Holden. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? Doing okay, Mike. You know, I'm struck by something that Dr. Lou Libby said last week on on the show. And, you know, he participated in a Facebook Q&A recently. We We can share a link to that in the show notes. But his preference for physical distancing rather than social distancing and and seeing people trying to do a little bit more socializing, but through technology and through those kind of six foot parameters. And so I'm, I'm trying to incorporate Dr. Libby's guidance to use physical distancing rather than social distancing because it allows us to still get some of that social interaction like we're getting right now. Yeah, that's great. That's great. We're recording this in two different states, obviously, and and I've seen a lot of virtual happy hours and virtual hangouts happening amongst friends and colleagues, and it's it's the smart thing to do. It's the safe thing to do for everyone right now, so it is, it's encouraging to see that happening. And you mentioned that panel that we put together last week to discuss all things COVID-19. I hope our listeners did have a chance to give that a listen. If not, you should go back and check it out now. There was some really great content in there this week. We are going to hear from two policy experts in Kathleen Sheehan and Ashley Smith of the ALS Association. And considering that we're still in the midst of the pandemic, we covered how that is impacting ALS legislation specifically, as well as how things like virtual advocacy are going to be playing a bigger role. And Jeremy, I thought it was a pretty well-rounded discussion. Yeah, I I completely agree. And that virtual advocacy component is something that I found fascinating. You know, this coming at a time when the association was bringing some of its, what Ashley tells me are the grass tops advocates to Washington, D.C. for those face-to-face meetings. And, you know, I know historically we think of those face-to-face meetings with members of Congress as so important for pushing forward public policy priorities and just not possible right now in these times of of social distancing. So learn from Ashley and from Kathleen ways that they are innovating and making sure that the conversations can still happen, but in a socially responsible way. Definitely. Interesting times and fascinating to see how it's impacting advocacy. Let's take a listen to how that conversation unfolded now. We are joined on the phone today by Kathleen Sheehan, Vice President of Public Policy at the ALS Association, and Ashley Smith, Associate Director of Grassroots Advocacy. Thanks to you both for taking the time out of what I'm sure is a very busy week for you to be joining us on Connecting ALS. Thanks. We're delighted to be here. Kathleen, I'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about your role with the ALS Association. I'm the Vice President of Public Policy, and my job is to reach out to 
everyone in the field who's interested in ALS and to engage them in the work that we do. We monitor everything that Congress does. It's of importance to people living with ALS. We also work to monitor the things that the administration may do. And in, as we monitor, we analyze what individual pieces of legislation will mean, what is the best opportunity for us to fight for people living with ALS. And we argue for things that are very important, whether it's increasing funding for ALS research or whether it's making the lives of people living with ALS easier by ensuring that they have access to what they need and have the appropriate financial support from Social Security disability. That's it in a nutshell. That's great. Thank you for that, Kathleen. And and we'll be unpacking some of that a little bit more in a moment here. Ashley, I want to bring you in. Can you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your role with the association? Great. Absolutely. So my title has grassroots advocacy in it. And doing that, I design and direct our grassroots and grass tops activities to advance the ALS Association's policy priorities and missions. So I work closely with Kathleen and our colleagues on our public policy team and our mission strategy team in general to engage our constituents and people living with ALS across the country in our lobbying activities and our activities on Capitol Hill. So I write a lot of emails to our activists. I engage them in letter writing and create toolkits to empower them to advocate on their own behalf. Thanks for that. Thanks again to both of you for being here to talk about policy and legislation and how the current times are are really impacting your work and the ALS community. And as we continue to sort through the realities brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the difficulties is keeping up to the minute with news on the state and federal level that seems to be changing so rapidly. Keep in mind that we are recording this at noon on Tuesday, March 24th. Kathleen, let me ask you, what is the latest that you're hearing about pandemic-related legislation that potentially could have an impact on the ALS community? There's a lot going on, so I'm going to keep it simple. On March 6th, Congress passed a piece of legislation that was the Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriations Bill. And that basically means Congress was providing more money. They actually provided $7.76 billion to federal, state, and local agencies to combat the virus. What's most important in this piece of legislation for all of us and for people living with ALS is that the legislation included waivers for Medicare telehealth. Previously, before this legislation was passed, you could only receive telehealth if you're a Medicare beneficiary if you went to a specific location. And Congress very quickly realized that was not a good idea during the crisis. And so they lifted many of those restrictions. So if you're not already aware of this, you can contact your physician and say to them, I would like to talk with you on telehealth. Their offices should help you to figure out how to make that happen. And you should be able to get care from a physician through telehealth if you're a Medicare beneficiary. Let me say that oftentimes the Medicaid program and private insurance mimic what Medicare has done. So regardless of what insurance you have, you should be touching base with your physicians if you haven't already heard from them and asking them about telehealth. The lifting of these restrictions actually applies to a wide range of healthcare professionals. So I've used the word physician 
It also applies to nurse practitioners and a whole bunch of other people that you probably have a healthcare relationship with. So that was a really exciting piece of legislation. Thanks for that, Kathleen. What else is Congress doing in response to COVID-19 pandemic and particularly as it relates to people living with ALS? The second piece of legislation that was passed is called Access to Testing and Relief for Individuals and Employers. And it largely said there should be no cost for coronavirus testing for all patients, regardless of their insurance type or status. And so there was a billion dollar included for the testing of uninsured patients. There was also some additional funding provided through Medicaid for state budgets. And then there was some changes that were made on the Family and Medical Leave Act that would make a difference in terms of helping employers and employees to have some time off that they may need during this crisis. Another important provision of that was to provide additional support to states to support unemployment benefits. So that was the second piece of legislation. So the first one was support to the states and local governments and included telehealth. The second one addressed testing and basically said everyone should be able to get free testing. It did something to help out families with family and medical leave. And then it also provided some additional support for unemployment. The third piece of legislation is a broad economic stabilization piece of legislation, and that piece of legislation is still in process. The ALS Association has joined with a range of other patient organizations to advocate for relief in this piece, and the relief that we're asking for would be additional monies that would go directly to individuals who have been impacted, so it would In theory, it would be a check that would go to people who qualify to help those who are struggling during this crisis. But it would also include some support for nonprofit organizations in terms of helping them to remain stable. So as you may know, Congress is looking at how do they help businesses? And that would be through loans and loan forgiveness and a couple of different ways that might be accomplished. So we said, well, whatever you do for small businesses, We want you to do for nonprofits. Our goal is to be sure that our local chapters are there and available to help you. They are 100% committed to doing that and will remain strong throughout this crisis to be of help and support to those that they are assisting. Thank you, Kathleen. That was great. Just giving us the the full picture of, of kind of what's happening. And I know every day it seems there's something changing on that front. And I appreciate you keeping your ear to the situation so that we can all stay up to date. I want to shift to Ashley for a moment. Uh, Ashley, a number of states have moved to or are considering shelter-in-place orders for the pandemic, and and most of us are are doing everything we can to stay at home as much as possible. In terms of advocacy, that means that, of course, we're we're not going to be meeting with our legislators or their staffs in their offices on the Hill. And because I know it's something you're passionate about, Ashley, what can you tell us about virtual advocacy and the role that's going to play? Yeah, absolutely. So, our advocacy efforts at the ALS Association have always been virtual. The great thing is that we have our Advocacy Action Center online that any person living with ALS or any advocate who is interested in advocating on behalf of the ALS community can sign up and become a virtual advocate. So in this new world that we're living in with sheltering in place, 
the tools that we were already using are going to become even more important as we are less able to meet in person and both in DC and back home in district. So it's really easy for folks to become an advocate. You can simply go onto the ALS Association's website, ALSA.org, click advocate, and then click sign up and it'll take you to our advocacy action center where you can take any action. We launched an action alert yesterday in support of a couple of asks that we have with Congress as they move pandemic legislation. So that's an easy action for anyone to take right now from home and write a letter to their member of Congress. So we're continuing to encourage our advocates to write letters to Congress, to tweet at their members of Congress, and to really show the power of our ALS community in this time of crisis. I have a silly question, but I'm not afraid to ask those. You mentioned at the outset that you engage in in grassroots and grass tops advocacy. Talk to our listeners a little bit about what those terms mean. What's the difference between the two? Sure, that's not a silly question at all. So for grassroots, that is our entire ALS community. So every advocate who has signed up to become an advocate in our Advocacy Action Center or any advocate that has participated in a walk with our local chapters, they are a part of our grassroots community, so our larger community of advocates. For grass tops, that tends to be folks that have direct connections with members of Congress. So if you have ever met with your member of Congress and and created that relationship with them that has been ongoing, you would be considered a grass tops advocate. For the ALS Association, that means our executive leadership, our board of trustees and board of representatives and our chapter executives. So our grass tops advocates this week will be making calls to Congress as a part of our virtual advocacy efforts and engaging them in our advocacy asks around the SMART Act for our non-invasive ventilators asks, for the ALS Disability Insurance and Access Act, for our SSDI waiving period, and then our appropriations ask for fiscal year 21. Thank you for that. And, and you know, it, it strikes me, this is all happening, the sheltering in place, the extreme social distancing is all happening at a time when we had some of those advocates scheduled for in-person meetings. Talk to us a little bit about what's going on this week with ALS Association Advocates. We have our grass tops audience who we had planned to have an in-person fly-in. So we schedule fly-ins during the early part of the year for our grass tops audience and advocates. They were supposed to be in Washington, D.C. starting today, and they were planning, we were planning to have Hill meetings tomorrow all day. And when Congress closed their doors to public meetings, we quickly transitioned over into a virtual advocacy event. And thankfully, our advocates, our chapter executives, and our volunteers have been really flexible in doing that change for us. So we've armed them with call scripts and talking points and social media posts to make sure that we can continue to make this advocacy action easy for them. But they, our chapter executives from across the country and a couple of volunteers will be making calls to all of their members of Congress tomorrow. We're going to be reaching just over 200 offices tomorrow through those calls. So we had originally planned in-person meetings, and over the last week and a half, we've shifted those to phone calls. So the ALS Association, like many 
associations across the country are, are shifting into this more virtual space. And thankfully, phone calls and letters and emails are still doing the job while we can't do those in-person meetings. That's so great that you were able to adjust on the fly like that and transition to a more virtual platform and that that is working. It really, really impressive that, that you were able to do that so quickly. Kathleen, let me ask you, in terms of communication with the congressional offices themselves, what are you hearing from those offices and their aides and, and saying, here's what we expect and uh, how we plan to communicate with you going forward? I know everyone's trying to innovate and come up with different virtual ways so that we can stay connected, but are they providing any information or giving you ideas about how best to reach them? Absolutely. Congress is in business and they will remain in business. And actually, I just got some exciting information to update what Ashley just reported. We have 254 appointments that are set for tomorrow. And our chapter executives, who are very well informed on the issues, will be making those direct phone calls to the key congressional staffers. Two of our priorities to be included in this last bill that I was describing to you, the stimulus bill. Many people living with ALS suffer from respiratory distress. They need a non-invasive ventilator at home so that they continue to have a high quality of living with their families and be able to appreciate the life that they have. We don't want them to have to go into institutions, particularly during this horrible time. We don't want them to have to go to the hospital because they're having problems breathing. So it's critically important that they have that access. The Medicare program prior to all of this had said, we're gonna put this program into something called competitive bidding. We rallied together with the respiratory physicians, the respiratory therapist, and we said, no, you cannot do that. You cannot put these non-invasive ventilators into a program that is going to restrict access. So we have been fighting them tooth and nail. We went to the Medicare program and talked to them directly. They didn't listen. So now we've gone to Congress and we have a piece of legislation that is going to be that has been introduced and that we're seeking to get into the bill. It's called the SMART bill. The other top priority for us in terms of getting it into this third bill that Congress is currently considering relates to Social Security disability. People who are living with ALS are entitled to receive Social Security disability and that gives them access to Medicare, which is critically important. But because of an arbitrary rule, they're required to wait five months for their Social Security disability check. Now, anyone who's been involved in Medicare or any health insurance knows there's co-pays or deductibles, there's premiums. We said absolutely not. Anyone who's living with ALS should be getting their Social Security disability check right away. We've been fighting very hard for that, and we're going to continue. So those are the two key pieces that we wanna get into the third bill. The one other thing I wanna mention that I didn't mention a little bit earlier when we were talking about the bill that's currently being considered by Congress is that it would also provide for a charitable deduction of $300 for everybody. You may remember that some of the changes that Congress made on the tax bill kind of limited your deductions on what you could do with charitable donations. And this bill, and I think this, this provision will definitely be in it, would allow people to make continue making those charitable deductions up to $300. And those deductions, of course, are really key to our chapters in terms of them being able to continue providing services to people living with ALS, 
wheelchairs and support on how to access their insurance. It's incredibly important to our research effort. So I'm going to stop there and let Ashley tell you how everybody who's listening to this podcast can help to be sure that these things are included in the bill that Congress is currently considering. Yeah, absolutely. So we launched an action yesterday urging Congress to support people living with ALS in any emerging legislation in the COVID-19 response bills that they're working on that Kathleen mentioned, or any emerging legislation in the future for any healthcare packages. So any advocate can go to our Advocacy Action Center and click on right for our top action online and send a letter to their members of Congress and their senators today. If any of our listeners are already an ALS advocate, they received an email from us yesterday about that ask. So encouraging folks to, to sign up to become an advocate so that they can take action in support of people living with ALS for the pandemic and beyond, but also so you can receive action alerts in the future so that we can continue to engage our advocates throughout the year as we continue to do this great work in support of our ALS community. So important that we continue our advocacy efforts. I know there's a lot going on right now and and everyone is facing uh, additional challenges and those living with ALS have a lot on their minds, I'm sure, and so much anxiety, but it is key that we continue to advocate and we push for these issues to ensure that legislation that's going to impact the ALS community keeps moving forward. Kathleen and Ashley, thank you so much for your time. Again, can't imagine how busy the two of you are. So to, to give us your expertise and some up-to-the-minute information on this call was great. Thank you for being here. Thank you, and thank you to all your listeners. Yes, thank you. Thank you again to Kathleen Sheehan, Vice President of Public Policy at the ALS Association, and Ashley Smith, the Associate Director of Grassroots Advocacy for the Association. A really fascinating look into the public policy priorities of the Association amidst the COVID-19 pandemic talked a bit about changes in access to telehealth, particularly for folks on Medicare. We can share some information on that in the show notes. And, you know, interestingly enough, Mike, we'll be hearing a little bit more about telehealth these days next week in our interview with Lauren Tabor Gray. Yeah, it's a nice segue into that conversation about how technology and telehealth are going to play a much larger role in the ALS clinical setting obviously for the duration of the pandemic, but probably moving forward as well as that technology evolves and becomes more available to folks. That'll wrap another episode of Connecting ALS. You can find us at connectingals.org or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love it if you subscribe there to get all of the latest content. And if you have feedback or questions for the show, you can hit us up via Facebook and Twitter. This episode of Connecting ALS was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening to the show. We look forward to connecting with you next time. Mm-hmm.